This is Joshua Bell with the Kilt and the Cloth. This is my sermon from November 15th, entitled Day of the Lord, from First Christian Church of Perry. Hope you enjoy, and God bless. My scripture this morning will be taken from the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. If you'd like to follow along as I read aloud, uh, well, you're not in the pews, so that won't work. Um, I, I invite you to, uh, to find uh, a, a Bible at home, and you'll notice that my words might be a little bit different than what they're on the screen. What we do on the screen is what we call the Revised Standard Version, uh, sometimes. And sometimes we do uh, the New Revised Standard Version, but I normally read from the Revised Standard Version. So now hear these words from Paul. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brother and sisters, you do not need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When they say there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman. And there will be no escape. But you, beloved are not in darkness. For that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light, and children of the day, we are not of the light or of darkness. So then let us not fall asleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who are drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober and put on the breastplate of faith and love. And for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has destined us not for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. So that we, whether we are awake or asleep, we may live with him. Now this is the part I want you to hear the most. Therefore, encourage one another and build up each other as indeed you are doing. May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. In this moment, Paul offers closing thoughts on the day of the Lord, which we considered and talked about in the past. That the recipients are aware, and according to Paul, the day will come unexpectedly and without warning. The two metaphors used to describe this second coming are varied, as a thief in the night and as even labor pains of a woman. Then Paul shifts to a third metaphor. You aren't in the dark of these things. For you are all children of the light and of the day. And then he talks about the, the spiritual armor of love and faith and hope. Christ died our death so that we could be with him always in life and in death. For me, these words are beyond encouraging. 
was thinking about this a lot this week in the sense of how, in all of the places that we live, whether we're, we're at home or we're at work or we're at school or even church, where do you need for faith? What about more hope? More love? How can you be better prepared for that moment where Christ's return becomes a moment where for us it's a personal meeting through death or even at the end as Paul describes it? I want to talk a little bit about hope. Paul gives us this idea that hope is both consolation and hope in Jesus' second coming or his return. Now, I don't usually talk about this very much. I don't usually talk about the second coming. Because as the Gospel of Mark will tell you, and as Paul is telling you, you don't get to know when that happens. But in Paul's world, it's tomorrow. Or today. Or even after lunch. Paul writes with a hurried anticipation that at any moment, Jesus could come back and you better be ready. It kind of reminds me of what my mom used to say to us boys and girls, all six of us actually. Do you really want to be doing that if Jesus comes in the room? My favorite thing that she always used to say is, would you say and act that way if Jesus was here today? And you know, of course, my brothers and sisters and I, the first time she said it, we'd say, no, no, we don't want Jesus to be upset with us. And then after a while, we got cocky and dumb and said of course we would because Jesus would agree with us Jesus wants us to have that other butterfinger but really Paul is writing this in such a way that there's hope in this idea that Jesus is coming back Paul charges his listeners to be vigilant and alert as they await this re-entry of Jesus to gather his followers to be together. And clearly, the recurring theme reflects both of this idea of persistence and the sense of apocalyptic hope. But also, in the meantime, that there's ethical and moral life that is good. You know, the fascinating part for me since the beginning of March is a lot of conversation about the apocalypse. Five, maybe ten years ago, uh, the ideas of different kinds of apocalyptic literature started to come back in the mainstream. And, and when I talk about this, you all know that I'm, I'm a kind of a geek, and I love horror movies. And I love uh, all of those scary things because they're funny to me. I like the special effects. I like to see how they do these things. But zombies have always fascinated me. Uh, you know, I mean, a lot of times we don't ever talk about this, but there's even zombies in the Bible. I'm being facetious in this moment. But, you know, if you think about it, Lazarus had been dead for three days. And he even had a smell to him. And Mary and Martha were upset and mad at Jesus. And he says, rise. And Lazarus gets up and, and moves around, but he doesn't talk. You know why? Because he's a zombie. But in all the truth, there's this idea of the zombie apocalypse and how we have to get prepared. And, and folks, I, 
I know some of you that are listening online may be in this category, and I'm sorry, but it's for me it's fascinating because for some reason we got in our heads that this is a real thing. That something bad is going to happen and they're going to give us the wrong vaccine and all of a sudden, all over the world, you're going to start to see zombies pop up and they become reanimated and people prepared themselves for this and this is where it gets sad. I saw literal people build bunkers and put stuff in the bottom of this bunker to prepare for the oncoming zombie apocalypse and they were serious as they started to stockpile ammunition and weapons and they were serious as they prepared their yards and things so that they became booby traps so that the zombies could not come to their house and you think I'm joking but the last 10 years we have seen more and more people preparing for something that yet once again you have no control over Paul says when Jesus returns, it'll be like a thief in the night. Why should you prepare for something that God has already taken care of? Why should we be afraid of tomorrow? If Paul is trying to give us a sense of hope that God has given us this son who died. Yes, absolutely physically died. And we believe he also physically rose from the grave. To save us. We don't need to be prepared in the sense of we have to stockpile all of our stuff. We have to be prepared for that moment. That place where we can find hope. And we have faith that Jesus comes back again. We can't prepare for something that we know nothing about. I think part of the problem is, is we have this preoccupation with mundane cares and concerns that cause us to be caught off guard when, honestly, the Lord comes. Either at the end of the, our lives or at the end of time. There's a fundamental Christian triad of our faith in what God has done for us in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Our hope that we will share in that resurrection and our love for one another based on that faith. And that hope gives us the spiritual armor we need to be awake and alert for the end. That could be today. It could be tomorrow. Paul isn't telling you to prepare for tomorrow. He's telling you to prepare for today. You have breath that God has given to you to do the will of God for the people of God. Regardless if Jesus comes back tomorrow, you want to be in that very, very much uh, reverberated idea in my head of do you want to be doing this if Jesus comes walking in that door? What if we didn't look at it in that way? What if we looked at it in the way that Paul gives us in the understanding of light and dark? Notice how he does that. John does this too, by the way. The Gospel of John does this also. But I think he gets the idea from Paul. You can quote me on that. The idea that the things that are good happen in the day 
and the things that are bad happen at nine. Notice that he puts the idea that the thief comes at nine. Unexpectedly, only bad things can happen in the darkness. If we want to do something good for the glory of God, we do it so that people can learn from it. That they can get something from it. When we talk about even our worship service, whether it's online or whether we're here physically, the things that we try to animate or try to give us life into is the aspect of the ways that are good. God brings us this light. And that light is the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. The circle doesn't get broken, folks. Just because our world seems to be focused in on apocalyptic endings and making all kinds of movies and Netflix specials, that's just what they are, though. They're for an entertainment value. You know the best part about horror movies, and I'm going to sound really cheesy for just a moment. The best part about horror movies is that when it's who you watch it with, If my wife sees something scary, what does she do? She screams, and she holds on to me close. Or the truth is, she punches me and says, why did you make me watch this movie? You see, I think we need to have this idea when we think about today. And we have hope that today is the day of the Lord. Praise be to God. And we've been given this day to do the glory and the work of the Lord. Praise be to God. And we don't need to worry about an apocalypse. And we don't need to worry about the second coming. Because today is the day of the Lord. Praise be to God. And regardless of elections and coronaviruses and, and all types of manners of hate and anger speech... Today is the day of the Lord. Praise be to God. That's where we find our hope. That's where we find the consolation. That moment is when we connect to God in a way that the rest of the world is still wandering in the wilderness, preparing their bunkers for things unknown. You see, you know the love of the Lord. You know the love of God in Christ Jesus. You know it and you believed it when you said, we come to this table in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We profess that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. In that moment, we acknowledge that every day until the very last one is the day of the Lord. Praise be to God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.